Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel you're going to find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is going to be on there. You're going to find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts all that you can follow along with and the best part is that it's completely free they're also around 10 to 20 minutes long meaning if you're short of time you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout new workouts will go live on the channel every tuesday and thursday and they're going to be accompanied by an amazing backdrop which i'm sure you're all going to enjoy so if you want to find the channel just search elliot hasoon into youtube and you'll find it very easily and please subscribe it makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Welcome to the Simply Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Hassoun. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today. This podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all. So sit back, listen, and most importantly, take action. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I am very pleased to bring you the 20th episode of the Simply Fit Podcast. And what's fantastic about that is that you guys have now got at least 10 hours of actionable, simplified health, nutrition, fitness, and mindset advice that you can apply to your journeys and your lives, which is exactly the goal of this podcast. And it means we are a fifth of the way from completing the year goal, which is to get 100. So you get 50 hours of (laughs) easy to implement advice. I'm just thinking of how much you would have listened to my voice by that point. So God bless you for that. Right, let's get into today's episode. And we've got three awesome questions as always. And this one I'm going to go into first was asked to me recently. And I realized it's definitely something I want to share just so as people progress through their journey, you know, potentially they do a fat loss phase, they get to the end of it and they're like, you know what, I want to build a little bit more muscle. Um, And that phase is not as... I don't want to, the fat loss phase isn't linear, but it's very tangible to see the changes in your body. Whereas when you build muscle, it's not quite like that. So I want to go into the nuances today and explain that in a little bit more detail. So the first question we have today is, how do I know if I'm building muscle? So as I mentioned, you know, the muscle building phase, I'm not going to call it more challenging, but I'm going to say it presents some different challenges to the fat loss phase. And like I said, the main reason is that sometimes you can actually see fat loss progress overnight. I know, especially towards like the latter stages, you might wake up. And just a quick caveat, actually, a lot of people don't recognize that they might have fairly steady weigh-ins from Monday to Friday. But due to the drop in stress that the weekend brings, you know, if you've got a very hectic Monday to Friday work life, you actually might find that you get some of your biggest drops on the scales on the weekend. So if you're like, you know, completely stagnant from Monday to Friday, don't judge too much. Keep going strong into the weekend. You'd be surprised that you might get a little whoosh 
And coming back to the point I was trying to make here is that, yeah, sometimes you can wake up and, you know, look in the mirror and like, I look like a completely different person to how I looked yesterday. That does not happen in the muscle building phase. It's almost a little bit like watching paint dry uh, when it comes to the, the changes that are being made on, on your physique comparatively to, you know, the fat loss phase where I said it can be very, very quick. So the next part to say here is like, you know, the scales aren't always the best indicator when you're in a muscle building phase. And, you know, you'll, if you end up focusing too much on those uh, or look in the mirror, you'll probably find that, you know, you're looking, you're really struggling to see those gains being made. And the reality of the fact is, is that when we go through that phase, it's quite likely that you'll be gaining more fat than you will muscle. And this is on the premise that you are a natural person, you know, and unless you're really genetically gifted, most of us will be actually gaining more fat than muscle. That's the reality of it. Like muscle is really not easy to build. And it's also expensive for your body to keep hold of as well, right? You know, so we need calories to feed that. And sometimes, you know, when we push into a surplus, then inevitably, not even sometimes, inevitably, if we are in a calorie surplus, we will gain fat. So that makes it very deceptive because the fat can do a very good job at covering your muscle as well. So I can't give you the exact ratio, but just, you know, understand that building muscle, it takes time, it takes effort, it's expensive for your body to hold, it requires adequate protein, adequate rest, and adequate calories, full stop actually, and then adequate stimulation too. And how much you gain will, you know, be down to a number of factors. And like I said, the biggest one here potentially is your genetics and you can't actually change that. So you can probably see why, you know, it's more challenging to see your progress in a muscle building phase versus a fat loss phase. But as a rule of thumb for me to get going with the recommendations on this, if you want to maximize a muscle building phase, then 12 months at least spent in a muscle building phase is going to probably be, I'm not going to say the minimum. I think people could get away with doing six, eight, 10 months because at the end of the day, they're still in a surplus. But I mean, if you actually want to see significant changes on the physique, then the more time you spend in a muscle building phase, ultimately the more muscle you accrue and therefore, you know, the more muscle you have when you cut down again. So that's where I would just give that quick caveat. So back to the question now, <laughs> how do I know if I'm making progress? And if you really wanted to test it, like actually wanted to get some metrics to test it, you could go ahead and do, you know, those body scan tests from DEXA. It's probably the most reliable out there or in body, which seems to be ones you can find in commercial gyms, which seems to be not, not the most reliable in the world, but it can give you some good indicators of where you're at in terms of lean mass and body fat, et cetera. But how accurate these actually are, it's, it's really hard to know. And the biggest issue with this actually is a lot of people get caught up with how much body fat they've actually gained versus, you know, the increased muscle tissue. But as we, you know, just went back to earlier, you will increase fat. So be aware that if you're doing those in body, you're doing those DEXA scans, you're going to see more fat on that screen as well. So the second way you could test this is through like metrics, like, you know, like I said, scales aren't always the best to rely on, but you can use scales, you can use circumference measurements, you know, especially around the areas you want to grow, arms, chest, legs, you know, of course, again, you'll have to account for some fat being there. And that's why it can be a little bit hard to tell. And then another way, and I think probably one of the better ways is going to be photos and using the mirror, but not taking these like weekly, like you would in the fat loss phase. But I would actually do it like every four to six weeks, or maybe even every, yeah, every one to two months I would look at. And what I'm actually a big fan of is comparing the weight that you're at 
to where you were before. So let's say you you got to 60 kilos during your fat loss phase. You know, you started at 75 kilos, you dropped 15 kilos. What you'll find is that if you are on your way back up, if you are doing photos on a week to week basis during your fat loss phase, you'll have pictures of what you looked like at 63 kilos, 65 kilos. So it'll be worth comparing those to how you look versus when you were dieting. So that's a really good indicator of whether you are building muscle or not. Because quite a lot of the time, I have people go up five, six, seven, eight kilos, and you know they look completely different. You know, there's so much more shape to them. They're actually slightly leaner, and that's a really, really good way of tracking your muscle gain. Uh, but as you can tell, there's really no accurate way of gauging this, like a hundred percent. So what I want to go into next is the things that you can do to ensure muscle is being gained and. An element of this is, I hate to say it because it's cliche, but as I always say, there's a reason these things are cliches because they're true, that you just kind of want to trust the process a little bit. So the things that you can do to ensure that, you know, you are actually, you have the ability to believe in the process because you're doing the work is to get as strong as possible. And rather than looking at your physique, you look at your training performance, right? So if you could only lift 60 kilos on the bench press for 10 reps before, uh, when you started your phase, but now you can lift 80 kilos on the bench press for 10, there's a very good chance that there is muscle being gained there. Um, especially if those lifts are, you know, you've got really good form. And also another big one is when you start to diet, you do your absolute best. You try your hardest to retain that strength as well. Because there's no way that you won't have made progress within that muscle group if you can, you know, lift 20 kilos heavier at that same body weight. And that's what we call relative strength as well. So for instance, if you can bench press 80 kilos at 70 kilos, but you can also bench press 80 kilos at 60 kilos, then your relative strength has improved because of you've got 10 kilos less of body mass to actually move that weight. So I hope that you uh, understood the context of that. So yeah, as I mentioned, good chance you're making gains. And same goes for, you know, potentially you ladies out there, you want to grow your glutes. If your barbell glute bridge was 50 to 60 kilos before, and now you are pushing that barbell up in the ranges of 70, 80, 90 then very good chance you're making gains there. The next is to make sure you're eating in a calorie surplus. And I'm not even going to speak exclusively to the ladies here because I know some of the males out there have a challenge with this. And I, I might go on to a little caveat. I'm going down different avenues today because it's not a black and white answer, but I'll come back to that in a second. But your body, it needs fuel to grow. If you're not eating enough calories, you may gain some muscle. But as we mentioned before, it's not easy. So the more calories within reason, your body has to use, utilize, the better it's going to be. And just to come back onto the point that I wanted to make here is some people, when they end up getting to the back end of their fat loss phase, they will realize they don't quite have enough muscle. But if you are someone who has just gotten to the shape of your life, is going into a heavy calorie surplus when you're going to regain body fat the best idea? Perhaps not. So I'm actually a big believer in someone, you know, if you recognize, okay, I do need to build some more muscle, I would like to, I wouldn't rush into that process if you've just gone through a body transformation for the first time. Because a lot of people, they rush back into this muscle gaining phase, but they didn't ever really get the opportunity to enjoy the fruits of their labor and to actually enjoy being lean for the first time in their lives. And then what quite often happens with the people that I've worked with in the past, it'll be, you know, we'll get a couple of months into a muscle building phase and they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm not really enjoying gaining this body fat. 
And it's quite often because of maybe it was a, a bit of an impulsive decision to be like, yeah, I just want muscle now. Because when you are leaner, you do feel a bit skinnier. And sometimes you do want to rush in and you want to make that progress on your physique. But and that's totally fair. But I actually do think it's worth going for a reverse diet, but then just maybe maintaining for like one or two months to just see how you feel. Start to enjoy, you know, being lean for the first time and then potentially move into that muscle building phase if it still appeals to you. So I just want to make that caveat because I feel like a lot of people rush into a muscle building phase without actually enjoying the fact that they were lean. And when you've not been there before in your life, you probably want to enjoy it for a little bit of time. So I think that's a really important um, point to make there. The next one is sleep. And if you listen to the last podcast, episode 17, I believe, on sleep, you will understand the importance of that. So this is where the majority of your recovery and growth is taking place. Like this is essential. And if you can keep on top of these three variables and you stay in your muscle building phase for a lengthy period, you can trust the process. You can trust that you're gaining some good muscle tissue. And finally, if you want to minimize the amount of fat you gain, I would opt for, you know, what I usually do with my clients is we start on like a 1% to 1.5% body weight increase per month in the initial stages. And it may not seem like much, but if we take me, for example, I'm an 80 kilo person, 0.8 kilos is not that much. But over the course of the year, that's upwards of nine kilos, which is a lot of weight. So if I spend enough time in my surplus, then it will add up. And if you're in the early stages of lifting or you're not too fussed about the body fat gain as, you know, you've got that long-term vision in mind, then 2% might be good. You know, it just really comes down to preference and also, again, potentially your genetics as well. I'd always encourage someone to get started on that 1% to 1.5%, you know, and potentially stay in good condition. And then they can always bump it up later if they want to. And, you know, I, I hate to finish on this, but a lot of it does come down to trusting the process. Like I remember looking at my physique during my last big surplus where I went up to 93 kilos and I dropped down to 79 eventually. And I used to look, I was just like, I feel like I've, you know, my shoulders look smaller. I look like, and this is the thing, right? You look bigger in a t-shirt, but when you take your shirt off, you actually look smaller. Um, but it wasn't the case. My shoulders weren't smaller. It was just they were covered <laughs> in a lot of fat after a lengthy muscle building phase. So coming full circle, you just got to make sure you're eating in a calorie surplus. You're eating adequate protein. You are training hard, getting stronger, resting and recovering sufficiently stay in that phase for a long enough period, keep within the one to 2% gain per month, depending on your preference and your goals. And you should be absolutely perfect to be gaining muscle. So that is the first question done and dusted. And I hope that helps a few people out. The next one we're going to go into is more of a nutrition question. And I found that I don't know about you guys, but on Instagram at the moment, meal preps are getting bashed a lot. I'm not too sure why. I'm not sure where it came from, but they seem to be. And I have gone through meal prep before, but I don't think we've gone through meal plans. So the next question is, should I be on a meal plan or should I be more flexible during my fat loss phase? So should I follow potentially an IIFYM approach, which I think I touched on in the what nutrition protocol is best, which was like episode five or six. So refer back to that if you want to get more detail on IF, IFYM. So I feel like both of them actually get a bit of a tough time, but meal plans seem to be getting more of a tough time recently. So it was like, initially, everyone was like, no, meal plans suck because they're all very bodybuilder, you know, it's chicken, broccoli, rice. And then the IFYM came in, which is if it fits your macros, for those who don't know. And then that got bashed because you were eating Oreos, Pop-Tarts, pizzas. 
And then everyone went back to meal plans. And I feel like meal plans is just getting its fair share of uh, bashing right now. And to give you some context, just to get going with, a meal plan would be typically created based on, you know, a certain amount of macros. So both of them are based on a macronutrient formula and ratio, uh, but it would generally be filled with nutritious foods. And it's generally supposed to be stuck to for a certain length of time. You're not changing this on a day-to-day basis. You might be, but you're probably not. IIFYM approach, or and if it fixed your macros, Works on macros again, but, you know, it's more the sense of, like, you can have whatever you want, and you can change this every single day, and you aren't, you don't really have much guidelines outside of that. So which is better? Which should you do? And I'm going to speak specifically in the fat loss phase here, because I think it's more relevant, because once you get, yeah, once you're in calorie surplus, you're in a muscle burning phase, you have plenty of calories anyway, you can have a lot more going out for meals and stuff like that. I think this matters more in a dieting phase. So let's go through meal plan pros first. And the first obvious one is that it's filled with nutritious foods. You know, you're getting a quality amount of nutrients and staying satiated is key to any fat loss plan, right? And the more nutrients an individual is going to get, the better they'll feel, the better they'll sleep, the more effective their training will be. So they're going to get plenty of nutrients and they're going to be satiated. So adherence is also likely going to be higher, which is a major win. The next pro is simplicity. If I give you 10 different options at the end of the day, or even 100 different options, actually, of what you can have for dinner, you know, you might not have a clue what to pick. And then what you're going to do is you're going to opt for the most convenient choice, and that might not be the best choice. And the lever in decision fatigue, I think I've touched on this before, and the level of decisions we have to make during the day is enormous. And if you can reduce the decisions of your nutrition, then it's going to make it easier to stay on track. I do genuinely believe that. And the final pro, you know, just off the top of my head here, is going to be more consistency. When you're only eating X amount of foods, you're eating them at the same time of day and you're eating them in the same quantities, then you'll have more consistency in your energy, your hunger levels, and actually probably your scale weight too, to be completely honest. It can't, you know, never going to be able to get that super, super linear, but I think you'll have a better chance if you're eating similar foods at similar times in similar quantities. Also, this is actually a major one, right? When you've got 15 foods in your plan, it actually becomes a lot easier to identify if, you know, one of those is actually causing you issues. That's one of my favorite parts of, you know, reducing the amount of foods that my client or myself is exposed to is that if you have just 10 foods in your diet or you have 100, then it's going to be a lot easier to identify what's causing the issue. So I really like that. So let's go quickly through some meal plan cons. Um, Could be looked at as boring. That's perfectly justifiable. Uh, Might not be as much nutrition diversity, and you could miss out on a lot of fantastic nutrients. Next is you might be missing out on some of your favorite foods. You know, you might not be able to have that glass of red wine or Maltesers in your, your plan. And the next is eventually, if you don't have that wine and Maltesers, then you might feel restricted. So those are the pros and cons. So let's quickly go through the IIFYM Pro. So let's get started with the biggie, which is you can eat whatever you want. Chocolate, it's yours. Burgers, it's yours. As long as it fits your macros and your daily calories, you don't need to say any more about that, right? That's that's a big, big pro. Next is nutrition diversity. And this is kind of the, I mean, I guess the pros of here are just the opposites of the cons of the meal plan. And you know, it won't be the case of IFYM because you'll have access to as many foods as you wish to have, and you're probably going to have more different foods on that on that premise. And then next is that you're just going to feel less restricted or even like you're on a diet. And a lot of the reasons people fear the idea of a diet in the first place is because they actually feel like they have to cut out the foods they love. Like the IFYM approach, like 
eradicates this fear and it might actually help you get going on the diet initially because that's a big one that for people that i initially work with they're like oh i love cheese i love bread i love alcohol and yeah they always think that they have to cut it out forever so this would be an approach that potentially you know would actually ease them into the process more so than anything and then if we go through the IFYM cons again, they're like probably the opposite of the meal plan pros. Decision physique, right? You, the more decisions you're going to have, the harder it might be to make a good choice, especially when you're tired. Quite often it could lead us, if we have the choice to you know, go towards our goals or go against them, it, you know, there's a 50-50 chance there, right? Inconsistency in digestion, energy levels, and scale weight. Like I said, the opposite to the meal plan pros. Like if you have a variety of food and you're changing this on a day-to-day basis, if you get bloated or you have like dips in energy it'll be quite hard to see what was you know what's actually causing it if you're changing these things so regularly the next one is big one is exposure to trigger foods there's there's two types of people in this world one who can have maybe 20 grams of chocolate and be done with it like a couple of squares there's others who have to eat the whole bar right so if that sounds like you it might not be a good idea to even expose yourself to chocolate at this moment in time until you you know cultivate a little bit of discipline or you know, have a little bit of time away from it. So that could be a challenge. And then the final one is you have more chance of utilizing your calories poorly. And I'll put my hands up here, you know, and I'm sure other people have done this way. You cut out veg or something actually quite valuable in your diet to save like 15 to 20 grams of carbs that goes towards a protein bar or halo top. Yep, we've all been there. So as you can see, there's multiple pros and cons to both. So I will give you you know, where I stand on this and what I do with my clients and what I do with myself as well. So let me go for the clients first. And if their goal is fat loss and they're relatively new to the health and fitness world, about 99% of the time, I'm going to pick a meal plan. And some may argue that meal plans might not be sustainable, but for me and for many of the people in the industry now, people who I respect as well, the fat loss phase isn't supposed to be sustainable. You know, there'll be different people. There's multiple ways to skin a cat. You know, you guys know how much I hate that saying, but there is. And for me, we want to spend the least amount of time in a fat loss phase, right? So what we want to do is like, let's aim for something we can stay adherent to as long as possible and get out of this in the most quick and safe manner so that we can actually utilize sustainability in the rest of our lives, right? The rest of your life, that's when we want to talk about sustainability, not necessarily during a fat loss phase because of why do we want to be a fat loss phase for any longer than we have to be? So the next point for me is when you're in a calorie deficit, there is a lot of hormonal and psychological changes that take place. Being like, if you put me, like if you sit me in front of a chocolate cake in a scenario where I have been in a deficit for 16 to 18 weeks and you are you say elliot you're allowed one small slice i am gonna struggle you know and i'm gonna want more and more and more because dopamine's gonna be hitting me hard i'm gonna feel like i haven't had this for ages but if you you know if you get out of a fat loss phase you know your hormones get back into a good place like if you put chocolate cake in front of me now i could have a bite and be content right so this is where we need to you know understand that the lack of exposure to those things, especially when you're in a bit of a sensitive position, which a fat loss phase is, is a little bit precarious at times. It might be better to avoid those type of foods and opt for foods that are going to be high in nutrients, incredibly satiating, right? And for me, more pros here is that it helps people find their intolerances and things that cause their digestive challenges. Like I said, I love it when I go for a meal plan with someone um, or I suggest a meal plan and then they opt for it for a couple of weeks and they're like, oh, my digestion is so good. And then they bring back in 
some type of trigger food. I'm not going to demonize dairy or wheat, but I'm just going to give these as an example. But they, they start having milk again, or they start having something with gluten in again. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, this is what was causing me the problems before. But they didn't realize until they took it out. So that's a big one for me here. Uh, next one, it allows people to appreciate the more super simple foods and their palates adjust, right? These foods that we are exposed to right now in this day and age are hyper palatable, right? People who make these foods and market these foods, they are intentionally trying to get us addicted to it. So we buy more and we eat more. It's in their favor for us to eat Pop-Tarts. It's in Domino's favor for us to eat pizza because they make money off it. And if you are used to those super high decadent, high fat, high sugar foods, it's really hard for you to appreciate the taste of oats. You know, the taste of the more simple food, like an, a fruit, for instance. You're like, no, it's just not sweet enough. Or coffee or tea without sugar in it. So, But once you do go for, opt for a little bit more simple foods, you do it for a little while, your palates adjust and you go back to something like that and you're like, whoa, this is too rich. This is too sugary, et cetera, et cetera. And actually, you know, you're, you might continue eating chocolate cake, but you'll probably eat a lot less of it before. The next, because of that, you're going to be more inclined to eat more veg and, you know, different types of foods that are going to be, you know, less, let me, let me say, okay, we're not going to go for a variety of food, but I'm going to allow you to switch your meal plan, but we're just going to rotate the protein sources. We're going to rotate the vegetable sources. Then because your variety is in that area, you're going to be more inclined to be like, oh, I haven't actually tried aubergine before. Oh, you know, maybe I will try turkey or tofu or something along those lines. Whereas if I say, you know, the world is your oyster, take what you want, you might not pick the best option or something that actually could put you down the route of experiencing more quote unquote, healthy foods. And then the final one is just, I think, you know, most people experience less hunger because like I said, it's not a case of trading 15 grams of your carbs from vegetables for Halo Top. Coming full circle, there's nothing wrong with IFOM. The approach is there's nothing wrong with it unless it's used in the extremes. Like I don't mind a little bit of flexibility, but I would rather, you know, use this in the future or outside of a fat loss phase, right? Let's just get you to the get checkpoint. Let's make it as easy as possible. Let's reduce the amount of decisions you make. And then we will get you there sooner. And then you can go back to whatever, you know, not go back to, but you can integrate the foods that you want to, but you'll be in a much better position to do so. So that is my thought process, both of which have pros and cons. Uh, go for what works for you. But as mentioned, if you are just getting going, then it's probably worth opting for a, a simple meal plan to begin with. Right. And on to the third and final question, which is another one I get asked quite a lot and another one I can't give you a straight answer to, unfortunately, but bear with me here. So Elliot, how long does it take to see results? And as mentioned, there is no black and white answer here, but I want to go through a few things that we need to consider. The first is going to be your goal. Like That's obviously the first thing we need to consider, right? And if we're going to go for a fat loss phase, you know, we might actually see some results in about two to six weeks. You know, it really depends on who we are, you know, how and we actually it depends on a num number of factors, which I'm going to go through in a minute, but we might see it in two to six weeks. I would say for most like to see a significant change. I'm not just talking about initial results, but long-term change, potentially about four to six months, I think would be a good place, you know, good place to land on. Uh, but I'd say it's worth at least giving yourself six weeks. And as I mentioned before, that's kind of the irony of the, the New Year's resolution is because most people give up at the back end of January when in reality, if they just hold out until like the latter stages of February, they're probably going to start seeing the results thereafter. Uh, but like I said, long-term transformation, I think for most four to six months, but honestly, it can take anywhere from like three to 24, to be completely honest. But on the premise, you're doing all you can, three to six, four to six, probably a good place to go. 
Then if you're muscle building, like we already discussed today, it's going to be way harder to see. It's going to take longer to grow. And actually, the, like, the longer you've been training, the less muscle you're likely to grow as well. We've all probably heard of the phenomena of newbie gains. And, you know, when you are new to this, or if you're, maybe you have been training for two, three years, but it's been suboptimally, and then you start training, quote unquote, properly, then you will see some good progress quite soon. But when you are in your seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth year of lifting, your ability to gain muscle reduces. It diminishes quite significantly, right? And to some people, you know, if you're natural, then just one pound or two pounds of body weight over a long period is quite significant, but it does make a difference on your physique as well. So that would be, you know, the place to, to start with is you've got to consider your goals. The next is how much time and energy are you spending on the process? It's very much like a plant, you know, watering a plant. If you put a little bit of water it will survive. You know, if you get a little bit of sunlight exposure, it will survive. If you put the perfect amount of water in and it gets sufficient sunlight, that plant is going to thrive. And if you put too much, if you leave it out in the sun for too long or you end up drowning it, it may end up dying and it might, it's not going to make much progress, right? So hopefully you won't die, <laughs> but you know what I mean? If you do too much, you overtrain. It's a similar concept because you won't make the progress that you can. So let's take the person who can say only commit to two sessions per week. They can't sleep any more than five to six hours or they're making excuses or <laughs> they, they can't do any more than 8K steps. And let's take the person who will do as many sessions as you know they need to. They'll meal prep, they'll sleep eight hours, they'll hydrate themselves, et cetera. Or then let's finally take the person who trains every day, super intensely, does like three hours workouts. But yeah, they just get so lost in the world of training and they end up overtraining, probably not going to make as much progress because of their body just can't simply recover. So this person in the middle who's willing to do as many sessions as required, who's going to meal prep, who's going to sleep eight hours, is going to make the most progress as opposed to the person who's doing too much and then also the other person that's doing too little. But if you can only commit to those two sessions and you can't sleep that much more, then that's totally fine. You've just got to expect that your progress will be made at a slightly slower rate than our guy in the middle there. And then what's tied into this, which is a massive indicator, is it going to be your adherence. And this will probably be the number one indicator of when you achieve your goals in terms of will you do it in 12 weeks or will you do it in 24? And you know, the formula is pretty simple here. The more adherent you are, the better outcome you will get. It is really as simple as that. And I think also people underestimate the power of momentum. When you are doing really well on your process, keep driving forward. Momentum is so, so powerful. And I hate to use cliches, but I'm going to again. If you are trying to move a car that is completely stagnant, it's going to take a while to get going. If that car is rolling and you're pushing it and, you know, you've got some momentum behind you, it's going to be a lot easier to move that car, right? And some people, they will end up turning what could be a four to six month journey into a 12 to 14 month journey. And I wouldn't say it frustrates me, but it's more the sense that like, I would just love to see someone who capitalized on that momentum that they built and was just like, you know what? Things are going well. Let me like, let me continue to smash this. Let me get to my checkpoint. And I mean, the way I see it is like, if it's a shorter time frame in the fat loss phase, for instance, the likelihood of success is higher, right? Let's say if someone says you need to commit something for four to six months versus 12 to 14, you're much likely to have more success on a four to six month journey. However, I'm going to put a caveat in here because I have got people who have been working with me for 
12, 14, 16 months and potentially, you know, things didn't go the best way. They didn't capitalize on momentum or they did regress a little bit. But actually the learnings and the time spent within the process, as long as they keep going, actually can serve the individual a lot better for the future because of, you know, there's there's a bit of a, a double-edged sword here. If you complete it in four to six months, you know, you might just be like, oh, well, this is easy. I can just turn this around whenever. But if you do it over a cost of 12 to 14 months, you invested all that time and energy. You might be like, you might have got a lot more lessons. And obviously the longevity of your journey might actually encourage you to continue with it. And it might have become a lifestyle at that point. But let's just put it from like, if we were just looking at results, you're going to get, you know, you're going to have a lot more success if you know it's going to be four to six months versus 12 to 14. Because if those people have held on to 12 to 14, props to them. But most don't. Most end up regressing and they most end up quitting, to be completely honest. Let's come to the, the muscle building phase. And this is a bit of it's a bit paradoxical because the reality is that you probably won't fully see your results until you diet again. Because like I've mentioned before, like, you know, you're gonna have a fair amount of body fat that's gonna cover your muscles. So only once you shed it will you actually see the results of the efforts that you've even put in. And we've gone through the ways that you can do this. So your performance, your recovery. You know, and the reason I call it a bit paradoxical as well is not only because of you're only going to see the results when you cut down again, is that for some people, people, some reason, people take their foot off the gas here. That, you know, they go hard on their training in the fat loss phase. They go diligent with their nutrition in the fat loss phase. And yes, you can be more flexible in a muscle building phase. But guess what? This is the time where you're actually building your physique. When you're in a fat loss phase, you're not really building that much you might get a little bit of muscle but it's actually more about preservation like if you actually want to make a significant impact on your physique now is the time in your muscle building phase so you shouldn't take your foot off the gas here you should be as on point with your water your sleep your training performance your nutrition as you were in the fat loss phase because you're going to get some phenomenal results and ultimately if you want that more toned physique if you want to look a bit broader you know if you i'm talking males here if you want broader shoulders you know bigger chest and all that type of stuff that's happening during your building phase and you might not see it because of the body fat but that's what you know you are building what you're going to strip back and when you, you know, go through that fat loss phase that muscle was not built during the fat loss phase it was built this time now whilst you're in this muscle building phase so that's why it's super super important so those are the three things you might want to consider. As I mentioned, you will see some results in the early stages if you're in a fat loss phase. But, you know, what you want to just focus on more so than anything is your adherence, doing as much as you possibly can, you know, within reason, don't go overtraining or anything like that. And then putting in the time and energy and the investment for months on end, and you will see your results soon enough. And it always, always, it comes down to those three super unexciting words, consistency, patience and trust so that is where we're going to wrap up today guys i hope that you enjoyed uh this podcast i hope it was insightful i feel like we've covered some three good topics i feel like i say that every time but i actually love speaking about this and i hope that you guys took plenty of value and if you did please pause this episode right now if you did it before then i love you even more screenshot this tag me show me that you are listening what you took away from it in your instagram stories i love seeing that you guys are listening and yeah even we, you know now we've reached 20 episodes let me know what was your favorite was i can tell you that the most popular one was as expected how to handle hunger and cravings but yeah let me know if you had a favorite that wasn't that one i'd love to hear from you guys connect with me on instagram connect with me on facebook i am there and ready to connect with you all so that is everything from me guys have a wonderful wonderful week ahead take care and we'll speak soon and that was the simply fit podcast 
I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.